2: as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. Why does my brain work this way? You know,
3: this this is an exciting time for us. There's a lot going on. Granted, you know, we've got the live shows coming up. Sure. The, the uh, premium channel has just launched. Uh, we have a bonus episode that is launching uh, that drops this weekend for our uh, premium subscribers. It's hard to keep up sometimes. There's a lot going on and it's easy to feel overwhelmed. So I took a moment and I stood out on the deck and it's a beautiful early autumn evening here in the state of Maine.
0: It's still summer technically, but that's
3: fine. Right, it feels like autumn because we're in Maine. Yeah. And I'm standing out there and I'm looking at the woods and looking out toward the lake, trying to ground myself a little bit. And the first thing that pops into my head is, Man, that would look so much better if I got out there with a chainsaw and I start in my mind creating tasks that I need to do that I don't need to do.
0: Right, and that you will never do.
3: And that I will never do. No. Why does my brain do that? I don't know. I torture myself. I don't know. Is that? Do you do that?
0: Oh, absolutely. You add
3: things to your to-do list that you know you don't have to do, nor could you if you had the time and resources?
0: Yes, actually. I had organized in my mind how I could best build a storage station for the back of my vehicle that would uh, create a space for my groceries as well as the things that I need to have in my car for later taking care of, as well as the things that I want to have in my car for just in case I run into someone who needs something. So uh, I had built this thing mostly out of plywood and two-by-fours, and I painted it three different colors. And in my head, it was this whole thing, and then I was like, okay, well, I'm never going to do that at all.
3: Yeah, you constructed this all in your head and I'm guessing uh, at bedtime when you're trying to go to sleep. Oh, yes. Everything
0: happens at bedtime.
3: Yeah. Our brains are dumb.
0: Yeah. You know, it's interesting, though. I read once that men typically will do the majority of their stressful I have to's in the morning and women typically will do their stressful I have to's at night.
3: That is interesting. Isn't it? I find that, that that it is true that, that I do my more stressful have-to activity thoughts in the morning, but I also do them at night, too. Sure, 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 sure And sure. in between as well. <laughs> you know it is a great distraction for me, though? Listening to you tell a story. What you got for me?
0: Oh, I see what you did there. Nice no segue. Nice no segue. No segue. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, don't get too excited because this is a bummer.
3: You have a really unique ability to sell the story.
0: Thank you. So a guy's out walking, and he discovers an object underneath some foliage, and upon closer examination, discovers what appears to be the partially decomposed remains of a human body. It's discovered that the body belongs to 27-year-old Denise Sharon Kulb. Kulb was between... 5'4 and 5'7, she had long brown hair. She was wearing a gray sweater, yellow sweatpants, a red T-shirt, and a white jacket when she was last seen. A friend of hers had last seen her the weekend before. Cold's body was found in a remote area of uh, Birmingham Township in Pennsylvania in a wooded area of an undeveloped cul-de-sac near the Pennsylvania-Delaware border and she was found wearing only that sweater that she had been wearing when she was last seen hmm. and a pile of clothes including yellow sweatpants a red t-shirt and a white jacket were on top of her she was also wearing one yellow sock
3: and i'm sorry you said how how old was she she was 27 27
0: based on the scene Police surmised that uh, she was transported to that location after she was murdered, and then kind of everything was just piled on top of her. Mm. Now, this f- comes from the Crime Watch website. Theodore Dill Donahue and Kolb had reportedly been dating at the time of her disappearance and murder. Uh, Theodore Dill Donahue had worked as a pizza delivery person for nearly three decades And he told police that he saw Kulb on the night of October 18. And the two, he said, had been using crack cocaine and they were robbed at knife point. So when they were robbed, he said that she ran to get help and that he never saw her again. On the day that Denise's body was discovered, Donahue returned all of the clothes that she had left behind at his apartment to her family, which seems like kind of a wow. weird time to the, do that. The day? Yeah. Okay. He returned all of her clothing, everything that had been left at his home uh, because they had been living together for about two weeks, but she had recently moved out. So he took this opportunity, the day that she was discovered dead, uh, to bring all of her belongings back to her family except for a long, yellow, ribbed sock that matched the one that she was hmm. found wearing. Okay. Now, this is according to USA Today. Anthony Voci, who's a supervisor of the homicide unit for the Philadelphia District Attorney's Office, said that Donahue was considered a person of interest at that time. I would think. Yeah. Seems kind of suspicious. And so investigators went to his apartment, uh, where she had lived, Denise had lived there uh, for a period of time, and they searched the apartment and they found that yellow sock. Voce said that Donahue had decided to keep that single sock for some unknown reason.
3: A trophy, perhaps?
0: Donahue said that he didn't know what had happened to her. He said that he didn't even know that she had passed away until police came to his apartment. However, he did admit that his nickname was Ted Bundy.
3: That's a fun nickname.
0: Yeah. Prosecutors did note that his email address was Ted Bundy 1967.
3: Oh, my God. Which was
0: obviously the serial killer's name uh, with Donahue's birth year. Uh Uh-huh cute right yeah
3: sounds like a classy guy
0: uh voci said that was certainly an interesting choice well
3: the guy's middle name is dill
0: right i actually kind of like that do you yeah
3: really because i think you know what a dill hole like I, that i
0: picture like a little kid like a little uh, scruffy kid like short for dylan bike
3: okay all right a little freckle faced yes
2: yeah okay exactly mm-hmm.
0: dill get back in the house
2: mom i'm riding my bike god <laughs> do what i want
0: quit being a dill weed dill
2: when i grow up
3: i'm gonna have an email address with ted bundy's name in it that'll show you that's my dill child like voice it. it's
0: great in the following days donahue let's call him dill from now on
3: let's do that that's Dil more fun
0: reached out to police about his ex-girlfriend's autopsy results and had offered to help with the investigation. Uh-huh. And you know how police love that and mm-hmm. never find that suspicious at no, all. No,
3: no. When a person of interest tries to inject themselves into the uh, investigation, no, that's not suspicious. Right?
0: No, 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 no. And his
3: name is Dill.
0: But they were unable to find anything that was concrete that led to them to being able to file charges or even feel comfortable in in moving forward in that way. So this was 1991.
3: This was 1991. So this guy had been delivering pizzas since the uh, Cuban Missile Crisis.
0: Well, no. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. Mm. No. As of today, Dill had been delivering pizzas for 30 years. Okay. Not at the time I of see. this, this okay. initial incident. Okay. I could have been more clear there. So 2015. The case is not reopened because, it I mean, it had gone cold, but it was never closed. Okay. So the case is reinvested in, and there is an extensive joint reexamination going on. So over the next several years, Pennsylvania State Troopers interviewed Donahue and other potential witnesses at the time. And they discovered that Donahue had left out some details about the time period of the murder. And one of the things that they thought was really interesting was that he had stayed at a motel that was just over a mile from the crime scene several times in a year leading up to that event. And Uh, his story had changed a little bit about the days leading up to her discovery, etc. Also, interviews discovered that Donahue had told others about how his old girlfriend had been found face down in the woods, strangled, revealing details that police had not released. Okay. Which police thought, hey, that's interesting,
3: Yeah, this guy isn't suspicious at all. No, no. No.
0: And part of this reinvestigation involved Temple University. So Temple University's photography department, quote, dropped everything and charged nothing to assist with the photographic enhancement, Mm -hmm. which the police had asked to have done on the yellow sock. So Temple University is working on that. Police have new information uh, regarding the inconsistency in Dill's story. And when Dill was re-interviewed, he did say that he had lied during his initial interview about the last time that he'd seen Denise. So he told investigators that he had seen her outside a bar on October 18, 1991. And phone records showed that they had talked on that same day. This combined with information from Denise's sister where she said that she had overheard that Denise and Dill had gotten into a fight outside that Hmm. bar. Okay. Again, very suspicious. Lots of information that combined with the suspicion that we already had from 1991.
3: All roads lead to dill.
0: But let me remind you that it's been 28 years since that single sock was the outlier in in this case. So, Tuesday this week this week tuesday tuesday theodore dill donahue was arrested
3: all right so that would have been september 2nd to uh 2019 that's right okay
0: this week
3: just for future listeners people from the future who are listening to this podcast hello people in the future do you have rocket packs now flying cars
0: do your clothes make a swish swish sound like i imagine they would
3: my clothes make that sound anyway. And that's true. But I think it's just the way I walk.
0: Obviously, the DA's office thinks that they have the evidence that they need. Sure. Um, and he is being held without bail until they are able to take him to trial. Anthony Voci. Again, the supervisor of the district attorney's homicide unit said that Donahue's arrest nearly three decades after he allegedly killed Denise Kolb demonstrates the commitment to the ideal that there is no case, no amount of time that we consider a lost cause.
3: That's amazing. I love hearing that. I wonder if DNA will play a factor in this case because... We're seeing a lot of cases from you know the early '90s that are being solved with with DNA now, because at the time they were doing a better job at at preserving samples
0: with the idea that they and were getting there.
3: They were getting there at the time sequencing the uh, the the human genome. So there is a a pretty good sized library, if you will, of uh, DNA samples from from crime scenes in the. Uh, early 90s moving forward
0: and what i read was that they really don't think that dna is going to play much of a role in this case Mm. what they think is going to matter is that that sock was the outlier initially and then dill's story um just couldn't stay straight
3: 28 years though 28 years delivering pizza all that time
0: yep can you imagine being someone in that neighborhood who he had delivered pizza to for 28 years and over you're and like, over.
3: oh, it's Dill the pizza guy. I knew Dill the pizza guy did it. I always knew. You know that's what the neighbors are saying. Of course. Yeah, everybody suspected Dill. Well, his Dil. email
0: address is Ted Bundy, 1967.
3: And now, that thing in the middle. Here are some facts that sound completely stupid but are actually true.
0: Number five. In 1987, American Airlines saved $40,000 by removing one olive from every salad served to their first-class passengers.
3: Their olive bills alone must have been huge. It's
0: about volume.
3: Number four, drowning, not thirst, is the leading cause of death in the Sahara Desert, or any other desert for that matter. The reason is dry riverbeds. Uh, when I lived in Arizona, we call them washes. And uh, what would happen is they would remain dry most of the year and become hard baked. Mm. And then when it rained, torrents of water will flow down these uh, dry riverbeds and people get trapped in these, these flash floods and they drown.
0: Wow. Number three, in a room with 23 people, there's a 50% chance of two of them having the same birthday. If there are 70 people, it increases to 99.9%.
3: Number two, on February 9th, 1956, 96 year old Samuel James Seymour appeared on the CBS TV uh, panel show called I've Got a Secret, revealing his secret, which was he actually witnessed the assassination of Abraham Lincoln.
0: Whoa.
3: He said that... uh, That
0: timeline doesn't make sense at all.
3: I know. He said that uh, the thing he remembers most is seeing just Lincoln slump forward and then this guy jumping out of the box onto the stage floor, John Wilkes Booth, he thought initially that somebody had fallen out of a box and his concern was for John Wilkes Booth. Right. Not realizing what happened. And I imagine probably most people, I would have reacted that way. I would have thought it was part of the show.
0: Oh, look, they're bringing it into the audience. I hate it when they do
2: that. And
0: number one, pigeons, both male and female, produce milk to feed their hatchlings.
2: The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. This message
3: is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, if you put your pants on, I'll give you some Fresca.
0: And when kids can start to reason that they get something, if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them.
3: I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our Aura Frame, the more I love it. I have kids. at checkout, and you will save. Thanks, Auraframes, for bringing my family a little bit closer.
1: Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with Nerd Wallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more.
3: Raycon sent us some of these wireless earbuds to try out. They are the best earbuds we have ever worn in our friggin' lives. And when we say that, we say it with a little bit of experience because we're kind of audio snobs, really.
0: We're wicked dinks.
3: And so when we got these, I'll be honest with you, I was skeptical. Sure. But we tried them and we both love them so much and now we've got to get another pair because we're fighting over them.
0: And I think that you and I have different ideas about what makes them the best ever. You seem to be incredibly focused on the the sound quality and that's that's great. It's important for me too. But the fact that these mothers fit in my ears mm. and don't fall out yeah. is the real thing for me.
3: They're very comfortable. You know, it
0: doesn't matter how great your audio quality is if you're flopping out of my ear holes the whole time. And when I can't sleep at night and I listen to ASMR, I need something that's going to stay in my ears when I'm laying down, when I'm rolling over and that's not going to cramp my sleeping style.
3: Now, let's talk about the sound quality. If you're into spatial separation, if you if you understand what that means, then probably audio is very important to you. You're going to be impressed with these. They're very clean sounding.
0: People who know music, they love these. The company was actually co-founded by Ray J and celebrities like Snoop Dogg are obsessed.
3: They're comparable to the best wireless earbuds that you can get. I've listened to the best. I've had the best.
0: I have not because I won't pay for them.
3: Well, you going to have to pay much for these. They're about half of what you'd expect to pay for top of the line earbuds. I mean, the best of the best. They're very affordable.
0: I'm going to go out on a limb here and say it's silly not to have them. Go to buyraycon.com oddities.
3: That'll get you 15% off your first order.
0: That's buyraycon.com slash oddities.
3: B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N.com Slash oddities. They're giving box of oddities listeners the best deals. If you've been eyeing a pair, now's the time to get them. It's an amazing deal. One more time buy
2: raycon.com slash oddities. All stories on the box of oddities are true, and some of them actually happen.
0: Rachel sent us a message on Instagram and said, okay, I know I'm behind, but on episode 153, the thing in the middle, weird things people say in their sleep. I'm 26 now, but I was like eight or nine. So my brother was like 14 or 15 and he was napping on the couch where I was watching TV. And I hear him say, can I go to the library? Then he paused and says, yes. And then he paused again and said, Oh, never mind. I don't have any legs. <laughs> to this day, I quote him. <laughs> to this day, I quote it to him, and he gets so confused. <laughs> Thanks, Rachel. I love that.
3: <laughs> you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Goodreads, and of course, you can email us at curator at theboxofoddities dot com. Also, theboxofoddities dot Is a wholesale clearinghouse for everything Box of Oddities related from tickets to our live shows, Mm -hmm. merchandise. Uh, You can support the podcast by joining the Order of Freaks. And, of course, you get stuff for that. You can find out all about that at TheBoxOfOddities.com. Yeah. All right. The uh, Daily Mirror in the U.K., I uh, had a story about this guy in China. He bought a brand new car. It was shiny and new. You know how you get in the car, it has that new car smell. Yeah, I don't
0: like that smell. I
3: don't understand why people don't like that smell. Mostly it's women. I think maybe it's maybe uh, it's just a guy thing. Guys like the smell of... Uh,
0: Plastic and yes. manufacturing.
3: I, You know what? I love the smell of new electronics.
0: Yeah. No, thank you. If
3: I buy, let's say, oh, I don't know.
0: You're not buying a new TV. I can oh, see what you're doing. Yeah. You're, you're picturing in your head the TV that you want yes. so you can say the name, Four, the 4K, 4K thing with yeah. the PSI. No,
3: it's not a PSI. The, it, there is no uh, air pressure in the TV. Round screen but, thing. Yeah, but when I unpack, when I unbox a new TV, as an example, mm-hmm. um, I will just hold it to my face and smell it. I love the smell of new electronics. Anyway, where was I? I don't Actually,
0: know. On your way to Best Buy again? <laughs>
3: <laughs> so anyway, he's uh, he's driving home, and uh, he's in his new car, and his wife's complaining about the new car smell. She says it smells like a shoe store. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, "No, no, this is great. I love this." And they he gets to his house. I don't know if his wife is with him. I'm I'm just riffing here. Uh, but he gets to his house with his brand new car. Now imagine what that's like. Yeah. You know, you're driving home with your brand new yeah. freaking car.
0: I have a picture. Of my car when uh, I drove it home for the first time and you took a picture of me with the car yeah. and I was hiding behind the door because I was embarrassed, but I also really like it. So I'm glad that I have the picture. It was a mixed bag of emotions. You're really. so cute. No. Anyway, so he's home. He's excited. Yeah.
3: yeah. He, he pulls into, the, he lives in an apartment complex uh-huh. and he pulls into the parking lot. He has an assigned parking lot. Oh no. Uh, it's parking space. And there's a dog sitting in his parking space. Oh. And it's a stray. Okay. And he beats his horn. What? And the dog won't move. And so he gets out of his car Mm -hmm. and he goes over and he tries to shoo the dog away and the dog won't move. So he kicks the dog. The dog yelps and runs off. Yeah. He parks his car and he goes inside.
0: I hope his car gets demolished.
3: About a half an hour later, the dog comes back with some of his friends and they start eating the fiberglass fender of his car
0: yes
3: they this dog and his buddies Mm -hmm. demolished this guy's new car yeah and his neighbor got pictures of it here here's a picture of look look, oops look how that one dog's looking out
0: this is just a list of the
3: books that you're reading oops
0: can you just like pick one and finish it
3: here it is right here and check out the guy in the front he's standing watch
0: that's Glorious!
3: The dog in the front is keeping lookout.
0: I love it. They are
3: eating his car. These dogs are. And this
0: is in Colombia.
3: No, this is in uh, China. Colombia is where I'm going next.
0: Oh, okay. You I'm were sorry. looking. You
3: were looking at my my notes. Sorry Stop about that. that. Okay. Stop that. I
0: got excited. Yeah.
3: Well, what I'm talking about in this episode, instant karma.
0: <gasps> I love instant karma almost as much as I love animal revenge stories.
3: Well, there's a couple of those in here.
0: Yay. Is there a goring? You know how I love a goring. You love
3: a good goring.
0: Update. I recognize that my glee of some ill ends to humans may not make me friends. However, if you've kicked a dog, I don't have any sympathy for you at all.
3: Especially when the dogs eat the car. That's, you know, they didn't eat the guy. Although I'm sure you would have been fine with that.
0: I mean, probably he's high and (laughs) jerk. So that's not good for them. (laughs)
3: He's he's reached maximum jerk saturation.
0: Right, Mm -hmm. he exceeds their daily allowance of Uh,
3: jerkness. Yeah, in the Huffington Post, I found uh, this article. It's about a thief in Bogota, Colombia. A surveillance video actually caught this, and it's it's a little hard to watch. But um, here's what happened: people at a bus stop, and there's a woman who is on her cell phone, and she stops talking, and she puts the cell phone in her purse. And this guy runs over and tries to grab her purse away from her. And he's yanking it and yanking it. And she fights him off. And he gets scared and runs out into the street and gets hit by the bus. Oh, no. Just flattened. Does he die? No. Okay. He didn't die. He was actually caught under the bus, but he suffered only minor injuries. Now, his intended victim was the one who pulled him out from under the bus and and helped him.
0: Oh wow! But
3: but she uh, the first thing she did was take her phone back.
0: I would leave him under there until police arrived.
3: <laughs> the BBC had an article about uh, the Scottish invasion. According to the BBC, uh, the combination of plague and fear of a Scottish invasion uh, caused such unrest. Within a certain area of of England in uh, the late 1300s, there were riots in the streets. Uh, The fears seemed to be somewhat founded. The Scots took advantage of their English neighbors. They recognized that they were in distress, that the plague was just Mm. destroying the local population. So they thought, this is a good time to go and invade
0: Generally, when a bunch of people are dying of the plague, I stay away from that region. Yeah, well, they
3: didn't understand, you see. According to the Bishop's Rolls Records in Durham, quote, "...the Scots, hearing of the cruel plague of the English, declaring that it had befallen them through the vengeful hand of God." And they took to swearing by the foul death of England, or so the common report resounded in the ears of the English, and thus the Scots, believing that the English were overwhelmed by the terrible vengeance of God, gathered in the forest with the intention of invading the whole realm of England. Basically, they stormed England, and they uh, like 5,000 of them got sick and died right there. Wow. The rest of them uh, decided to go back to Scotland. They were unaware initially that uh, they took the plague home with them. And it did lie dormant throughout the winter. But then uh, the following year, 1350, the disease spread throughout the entire country, creating such a horror that uh, parents wouldn't even visit their dying children. Oh, wow. It was so bad. So next time you want to invade a country, make sure they're not dying of some sort of contagious pestilence. Now, here's a story that I touched on briefly during A Thing in the Middle many episodes ago. But here are the details. Diane Rossi, she had been contributing about five bucks a week to an office lottery pool for that quite some time. she earned
0: as being part of the Supremes, right?
3: No, that's Diana Ross. <laughs> Whatever you say. And I don't know if she invested in a lottery pool. But in 1996, Diane, Diane Rossi her group, it paid off. They won $6.68 million. Wow! And that made her share worth uh, $1.3 million. Now, here's the thing. She was planning to leave her husband and didn't want to give him half of her winnings. So she claimed that she had stopped contributing to the pool just before they won. But a friend feeling sorry for her gave her the winnings as a gift. And so she attempted to write it off as a gift. Uh-huh. That she didn't actually win it. Right. This is what she told the court. However, she had been corresponding with the lottery commission using her mother's address. So the court ordered her to uh to not just give 50% of her share of the lottery winnings to her ex-husband. <gasps> but the entire amount,
0: <laughs>
3: based on a family code statute that penalizes spouses for falsifying data about their assets. Good. Mm-hmm. Because
0: that's some bullshit.
3: It's some bullshit, and that was on unbelievablefacts.com. As is this story about anti-tank dogs. You want a good uh, animal revenge story here? Yes, please. All right. Anti-tank dogs were canines that were trained. To transport explosives to tanks and armored vehicles, and in other targets as well, they were trained between 1930 and 1996 by Russian and Soviet military forces. Now, what they were trained to do was initially they would um, they they trained them to carry these explosives up to a tank, for example, drop it. And then run back so the tank would run over it and, you know. Right. But that wasn't working very well. So they, they changed it to the dogs just running out and exploding in front of the vehicles. The routine was replaced by impact detonation, which resulted in the d- dogs' deaths as well. Now, Iraqi insurgents also tried to implement this tactic in the, uh, in the 2000s. But back when they were first trying this, the first group that deployed this uh tactic revealed that the uh, the tactic well, it had some problems because what happened was they would arm these dogs with bombs mm-hmm. and then go fetch and they would run out to the tanks and then they would get scared and they would run back into the uh, into the trenches and blow up their own soldiers. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Womp womp. Mm-hmm.
3: In 1958, in China, again, at the beginning of the Great Leap Forward, they initiated the Chinese government initiated what they called the Great Sparrow Campaign.
0: What is the Great Leap Forward?
3: I'm thinking it's some sort of a uh, Chinese government initiative to.
0: Like the New Deal?
3: Yeah, kind of like okay. that. Okay. The problem was that sparrows were ravaging the rice crops. They would come in and they would uh, eat a lot of the rice. Mm -hmm. And so it was pissing off the Chinese farmers, the government, and just, you know, the Chinese in general. It wasn't just sparrows. They wanted to get rid of rats and flies and mosquitoes. And they lumped sparrows in with that group, identifying them as unhygienic. And even more so, they ate the crops. So, sparrow extermination was implemented. They mm-hmm. put a bounty out. There are pictures from that period where there are wagons full of dead sparrows. Unfortunately, it created an ecological unbalance that sure. um, multiplied the number of crop-eating insects, and it totally wiped out their rice yeah. crops. So, they brought the sparrows back.
0: Sure. That's the thing. Is you uh, So often, people try to manage nature and it's like no no it's doing fine just relax
3: it reminds me of the story of of back in the day and when i say the day i mean the midi- medieval ages when the pope who was poping at the time uh, ordered all cats to be killed because they were evil right and that multiplied the uh the rodent population which then of course helped spread bubonic plague
0: not because of the rodents though
3: you Knows the fleas. That's right. I'm going to end with this one. The, all of these stories have been negative instant karma. Mm-hmm. Here's some positive karma.
0: Oh, I like that.
3: KTLA Los Angeles reports this. On, May, on March 29th, 2011, a Dr. Michael Shannon, he was driving along the Pacific Coast Highway in Dana Point, just toodling about, enjoying the afternoon.
1: doo
0: doo
3: A semi-truck T-boned his F- SUV, mm. and it pinned his vehicle underneath the truck. And then the truck caught on fire.
0: Oh, my goodness.
3: Now, he was, he was out on the highway, so he wasn't near a major metropolitan area. But fortunately, firefighters from a uh, paramedic engine were returning from another call and responded within minutes. And it's good that they did, because when they got there, his vehicle was just catching fire mm-hmm. from, from the truck. The whole front end was, was ablaze and the flames were actually burning his legs Mm. they couldn't get him out he was trapped under this truck he was crushed into this vehicle and the flames were getting closer and closer the fire crew worked tirelessly to extinguish the flames and then rescue him using the jaws of life they got him out they saved him he was he was burned pretty badly his legs and feet were, were pretty badly burned Seriously injured, Shannon was taken to Mission Hospital, and he spent the next 45 days recovering from not only the burns, and he had to have a couple of toes amputated, but the internal injuries from this crash. From the crushiness. Now, among those people, the paramedics that helped save Shannon that day, was Orange County Fire Authority paramedic Chris Troche, and Troche went to visit Dr. Shannon at the Mm. hospital, while he was recovering and he had amazing, an amazing revelation. As he was there in the room, he heard somebody call the guy, Dr. Shannon, and he went, oh my God, Dr. Shannon. He said, quote, that's when I found out Troche, when he was born was just 3.2 pounds and the doctors initially gave him a very little chance of surviving, but his pediatrician, Dr. Shannon stayed with the infant around the clock until his health improved enough and he became stable, essentially saving his life. Mm-hmm. 30 years later, the life that he saved, saved his life. Ooh. Dr. Shannon said...
0: Well, that's in no way instant karma.
3: No, it's not instant karma. It's just karma. <laughs> Dr. Shannon said, it's amazing to watch them grow up, but to have one come back in your life on a day when you really need it, that's incredible, Aww. Shannon said. And now Chris Trokey's kid sees... Doctor Shannon as his pediatrician.
0: Oh, do they have Christmases together? You know they
3: have Christmases I together. I love it. They exchange the cards. They get together. They share the they nog. They
0: have an ugly sweater contest.
3: They sing songs. That's a nice one. Yeah, I thought I'd end on a on a good one. I like that. Instant and not so instant karma.
0: Sometimes I get sucked into those uh, YouTube video rabbit holes. Which are just videos of instant karma, and usually it's like, oh, a kids trying to kick a cat into a pool. Oh, he slips and falls into the pool. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Ah.
3: Yeah, the video of the guy trying to steal the person getting hit by the bus isn't mm. quite as funny. A little rough. Yeah, but mm. it, it, you know, I probably wouldn't have talked about it, and it probably wouldn't have got as much publicity as it did if he had been just, you know, pasted onto the pavement. But he. He survived, so it's okay to laugh at him. Right. In researching this, I also came across a story about a guy who, in 1930, was working at a butcher shop. And he went in to pee, and he was in high school at the time. He had just got his high school ring. He went in to pee, and his ring was too big, and it fell in the toilet, and he, he flushed it by mistake. No! And then, 75 years later, a waste treatment plant uh, employee was was cleaning sludge out of a piping system and saw a glint and pulled it out. And it was his ring with his initials in it in the high school, of course. Mm-hmm. And so he was able to track the guy down. who was 95, Aww. 95 years old. And he brings the guy his, I'm assuming cleaned off sure. ring that he lost 70, 75 years before. And the guy, this is like the classic crotchety old 95 year old guy. The guy's response was, I guess you don't clean your systems out very often, huh?
0: Well, you're welcome, sir
3: Good day to you
0: Enjoy your day
3: Look for the Box of Oddities on your phone on Thursday And we very much look forward to
2: hanging out with you
0: Until then, keep flying that freak flag
2: Fly proudly, you beautiful freak And so, let it be known that the Box of Oddities belongs to you its fate is in your hands. The Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2019. All rights reserved.
3: History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be.